Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Doing It at Home podcast. Thanks so much for being here. As always, thank you and acknowledgement to our podcasting family, the podcasting network that we are a part of, Parents On Demand. Highly recommend you download the app if you have not already. It's available in Android and iOS. So just check out parentsondemand.com. There's a link in the show notes as well for you. And you can listen to our show along with every other show that is in the network. And we're talking covering all bases of parenthood from preconception to later on in parenthood life. They got you covered. So go check it out. And ways you can support the show, connect with us. Of course, there's all of our social media platforms and our Facebook page and private Facebook group. Um, But by purchasing Doing It At Home gear through our shop page, that supports the the show, keeps the lights on, so to speak, and helps us maintain because podcasting ain't free. And then also by supporting the sponsors that we put out on the show. So if any of the organizations or products or services provided, you know, really resonate with you or they are things that you need, go for it and utilize these resources. You know, that's why we want to bring them to the space for you because they are organizations that we've vetted, we've either used personally or have firsthand experience with or connection with. And we really want to bring that added value to you, the community. So by supporting those sponsors, you support us as well. So those little announcements for today. And then we have our birth story. Actually, birth stories. So it's really cool. Today, I'm chatting with Amelia Page. And Amelia is one of those 
awesome instances of Instagram connections becoming IRL in real life connections. Although we haven't met physically face to face, we got to have this conversation and we've been in touch over other things as well. So there, there are a lot of things that we could have covered in this and we did our very best to rein it in and pack in a summary of four of her birth stories. So Amelia is the mom of six and four of her children were born at home. So we get little snippets and little summaries of each of those four birth stories and kind of what led her into home birth. We talk about having a big family and a lot of the conversation that comes up around that. We even touch on circumcision a little bit, which is something I don't think we've talked about a lot on the show. So we chat about that a little bit. And then really cultivating your inner space and that inner work that is so valuable when it comes to being a mother, preparing for motherhood, sustaining and empowering yourself through the experience of motherhood. And it's just a really beautiful, magical conversation, as is Amelia, beautiful and magical herself. So thank you to Amelia. I know you're going to love this conversation. Here's a quick word from our sponsor, and then we're going to dive in. Hi, Amelia. Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. How are you? Hi, I'm great, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. This is going to be a blast. I know. I'm so excited. I feel like we have great synergy, great connection. We could talk offline about a bunch of things that could become (laughs) podcast episodes. But for today, we'll keep it. We'll try to keep it in the realm of babies and birth and things that are relevant to this space. So uh, we'll do our best. We'll make sure the rabbit trails come back to (laughs) home birth. Great. Awesome. Well, why don't you kick us off on this journey with sharing a little bit about you and your family and let us know who all's involved here. All right. Here's the team roster. Um, Well, I'm Amelia. (laughs) My husband, Dalen, and I were um, high school best friends. And we've been married for 15 years now. We got married when we were 20 and 21. And uh, within 13 months, we had our first baby, Olivia Joy. And she's 14 now. She's about to be 14. And then we had a baby. This was in 2005 when Liv was born. And we had a baby every odd year. (laughs) <laughs> after that. So we had one oh five, oh seven, oh nine, eleven, thirteen, and fifteen for the grand finale. Well it kind of so makes it easy we to remember. Very, very right. Is that is that is that helpful in terms of when you're <laughs> remembering it all? <laughs> yeah. It is helpful. And I tell them too, you know, as they're trying to find themselves in the lineup, I'm like, everybody was born on an odd year. So <laughs> There you go. <laughs> do the do the math a little bit. So yeah, right now um, my bookends, Liv and Haley Kay, are about t- their birthdays are about ten years, or excuse me, ten days apart, and mm. they are ten years apart. So wow. all six of them were born within a decade, and um, so we're on odd, or we're on even years now. It's uh, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, and fourteen. Okay, that's how old everyone is. Yeah. So we have, and one more note: we have Liv, a girl, three boys, and two little girls. Okay. So we do have three and three, but it's a little bit split up. It's perfect, actually, to have an oldest daughter. Uh huh. <laughs> and then, you know, a trailing b- group of boys after that. She was definitely a companion for me over all those hard years. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So then who, who all falls in line after Liv? Um, Eden, my son, Eden. He's my oldest boy. He's 12. Uh, Aaron is 10 and Paxton is eight. Got it. So yeah. And then the little girls are Karis, 
and Haley Kay mm. is, the, is the baby. So, mm. yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of kids. You know, every, forever I've been getting comments, you know, and I always try to come up with like polite things. But, you know, one of the things I always say is that's what I did in my 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, what did you do in your 20s? Well, yeah. I just had a whole ton of babies. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, that's an interesting yeah. thing. And maybe maybe we're already like, I'm already tempted, but I will I'll do my best to stay at bay. <laughs> um, but you said comments and things like, isn't it just so interesting, you know, people's notes and comments on, you know, our reproductive choices or how how that all plays out. So like if you don't have kids, people think things about that. If you only have one kid, people think things about that. And then if you have say more than two or three, people think something about that or and and I, it's just I'm sure you could write a book on and you should yeah. on on all of what comes with that, but to have a larger family, you know, to choose to have more than what we're used to seeing or what the average person would think is uh, Mm -hmm. crazy or not crazy or responsible or, (laughs) you know, whatever, whatever all that stuff is. Right. Interesting point is that, you know, it it also depends on who's championing championing you Mm. because some groups of people, some subcultures think you're just the greatest thing in the world for having so many kids. And then some other sectors of the population think you're draining the resources and how could you? And so yeah. I, I don't know how aware I was of that, but you can kind of feel their positions come through in their comments. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, I was, I used to say to some people when they would comment about how many kids I had, I was like, well, I wanted to ensure that I would receive social security. So I produce workers for the <laughs> employment system and, you know, just different kinds of stuff to be like, Hey, we're all contributing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it. But yeah, people, um, people are very interested in the amount of kids that I have. And, um, and to me, it wasn't really some kind of like perfected plan. I Mm. think we set out to have a big family because that was sort of what my husband was wanting and I'm agreeable. And I was like, Oh, kids. Yeah. I want kids. (laughs) And so I, I ended up with the first two really, really close. And then my third one came. Um, I got pregnant with him after, uh, after the youngest was 18 months. So mm. they're in, they ended up being just slightly over two years apart. And at that point, I was kind of like, whoa, three kids in three years. This is a lot of work, mm-hmm. you know, and then kind of began a deep dive journey into all things, you know, it added up mother, motherhood, pregnancy, nursing, baby after baby after baby. And mm-hmm. I really, I really got lost in that space. And so probably the first book I'll write is making the emotional adjustment into motherhood because I floundered for years and years and years being mm-hmm. so exhausted. And um, so rabbit trail. Yeah. Home yeah. Yeah. But I, I love it. I thank you for sharing that. And, you know, we, we had a few little funny moments before we hit record on, you know, you survived the first week of school and you drive a big old van, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, I, do. I love it. It's perfectly set up for, you know, for that way of you sharing your story and in your YouTube videos and the book that you're going to write and all of that. So we will, yeah. <laughs> we will be watching. We will stay tuned. Oh, great. Thank you. Yes, yeah. because it's coming. I have, I'm, I'm loaded and I'm so analytical that I've sort of just thought and thought and thought and, and tried to solve, you know, I spent a lot of time being like, well, wait a minute. And 
you know, like I want to enjoy this experience and, and all the pressure, you know, to embrace and love these seasons with little babies and kids because it's so precious and fleeting, but you know, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I was constantly trying to like bring myself to a place where I was genuinely enjoying my experience mm. and not dreading it. And it's, it can be mundane <clears throat> for mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. but <laughs> so not to get too far off track. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So you, you talked about your analytical self, which I think is a great segue. So how and why home birth became an option for you or something that you looked at? Because your last four babies were born at mm-hmm. home. So what made that shift for you or what, what charted that next stage for you in terms of birthing your babies? Yeah, well, first of all, I always like to say that I had two really great epidurals in the Mm. hospital for my first two kids. And that was, um, that was a really great decision for me because I just, I wasn't, um, I wasn't really raised around kids or babies or like women who were pregnant or having babies. And so it was not like a peaceful decision for me to try to make some big out of the box decision, you know, like it was very comforting for me to be cared for by an OB and to show up at the office for all my prenatals and then call into the hospital when it was time to have the baby. And I really, I really did not have a bad experience. Um, but, you know, like they broke my water at five so they could go home and have dinner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just kind of things that like after the, the baby was born, I reflected and I was like, huh, you know, I mean, I wonder what would have happened if we just would have let it go and kind of more my own curiosity about what my natural process would have been, I think kind of propelled me to begin to think like, well, what else is there? Okay. So for my second birth, I had a really great doctor. I went to the hospital again and, um, I remember they gave me kind of a hard time about not circumcising him. And it was sort of like a spontaneous decision that we made after talking to our doctor who was like really neutral and informative and like, you know, hey, not everybody does it. It's kind of cultural. And I don't know what degree of TMI is, but my husband (laughs) isn't circumcised. So Mm. it was very natural for us to kind of want to like lean more in that direction. But we weren't really sold. We weren't like, it has to be this Mm -hmm. way. But I remember the nurse, the nurse gave me grief about it and like put a lot of fear in me I mean, I had just had a baby and I cried and cried and cried thinking I was making a wrong decision. And so after that experience, I was like really kind of ready to try something new. I felt a little like a veteran. I'd had two babies in, you know, 16 months. Yeah. (laughs) And so uh, a good friend of mine after my second was born, she got pregnant and she's like, I'm going to have a home birth. And I was just thinking like, oh my goodness, who has a home birth in this day and age, you know, with all of our... uh, access to technology. And so I ended up going to her birth and absolutely loved it. I just really loved the freedom that she had, the support that she had. 
and you know the experience of having the baby and then getting clean somebody puts clean sheets on your bed and everybody tucks you in mm. and says good night and that's that so i was sold and so baby 3 4 5 and 6 i had at home wow that's awesome yeah. i i appreciate what you shared as far as part of the maybe ancillary conversation around it but it just got you to think differently if that makes any sense like when you said what else is out Mm -hmm. there and then with some of the response you got around the circumcision circumcision decision I I struggled too (laughs) yeah that and you know that's not anything I don't think we've talked about that on the show yet so I appreciate you bringing that up because um I just, I don't think it has. I'll have to like comb my memory a little bit, but I don't think that conversation has come up. So I appreciate you sharing that as well for any mamas who are looking into that or exploring that for themselves or, you know, whatever that is. Um, because that that is tied with the birthing process as well, right? Like when you're still in hospital and they're asking you, right. what things are you going to choose for your child, for your baby? You know, what's the route you're going to take as far, you know, all the things that are now out, like laid out in front of you. Um, so to feel empowered, supported and educated in what those choices are and that what works for you and the importance of, you know, having well uh trained well informed care providers themselves who can then support you in that so you know i i like that you yeah. brought that up yeah i'm very thankful to our doctor because he came to get eden to take him to be circumcised because that was like the automatic choice even though you know my husband is not circumcised and then he's like you know you don't have to do this you can put it off if you mm-hmm. want it's kind of like you know a, a bit cultural and he's uh Indian mm. so I I knew like you know he wasn't giving me the the white male American yeah answer, right For, yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> he was giving me like a different kind of perspective and so we were just like yeah we're gonna well then let's wait let's hold off let's consider this a little bit more deeply and mm. I know that a lot of friends that I've had in couples will kind of uh wrestle with circumcision a little bit and it, you kind of want to make a knee-jerk reaction decision to just do it yeah. because that's norm and then, then that can solve that and that can be easy. And and that's fine. But yeah. I do encourage people just to educate themselves like a little bit. You don't have to go all deep. You're pregnant. Just Google it like one time. Give it a quick read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk to your partner about it. And typically, you know, with friends that I have that are really <laughs> struggling to make a decision, but their spouse or their partner feels really strongly one way. Yeah. Like I highly encourage the women to, to really consider their partner's opinion, the, their, their male partner's opinion. Right. And if, if he's feeling a certain like strong one way or the other um, to, to honor that. And maybe, maybe that's one of those things that you go ahead and give way to and let them decide. Mm. So, okay. But yeah. And yeah. have conversations with other people who, you know, have, have chosen, each way or and why and how you know just to and with love right you know not to change anyone's opinion or anything like that but to just understand where other people have come from with that choice um yeah that that is a whole like that's a whole can of worms and something that (laughs) i i had no context around that conversation i mean being a woman i didn't have brothers growing up um so i just Mm -hmm. 
you know, all of that. Um, and I'm very grateful that we had Maya first because again, I wasn't in on that conversation probably until after having her. So I'm grateful that she was a girl because I do feel more confident and more informed going forward if we were to have a boy in the future. So, um, yeah. Right. And, and yeah, I am and similar with side, you that it's, excuse me, in that, you know, I would not choose to circumcise and that's just me personally. Yeah. And so, yeah, one little side note too, in, in terms of like re- research and Googling and asking people is you will hear horror stories, but the statistics are that everything is going to be fine regardless yeah. of your choice. Yeah. And so just make the choice that you and your partner are most at peace with and yeah. then just feel great about it. Yeah. And don't, don't, don't do it in fear. Like, Oh, right. well, I heard that, you know, if you don't, this could happen and, and it's, blah, 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 because likely everything is going to be just fine. Right. Yeah. That is a <laughs> huge most... point that you make yeah. the fear-based choices either way. Fear-based anywhere right. isn't going to serve. So yeah, I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, right. So let's do this. I thought this would be something fun to do as far as there are four birth stories at hand here. There are four on the table. <laughs> Why don't we go through each of them chronologically and with the time that we have, because we joked before, like this could be a whole, this could be a whole show, you know, your life, which it's going to be. And I'm going to be listening to that one. But, but so let's start with Aaron and give me mm-hmm. a couple of highlights or key points or things that you, you know, were most on your heart around the pregnancy, birth, postpartum experience, or that you just, you feel for those listening could really get out of that experience that you had. And we'll do that for each of them. And then um, when you're doing that for each of them, also, you know, share that moment of when baby arrived and what that was like and who said what and what was going on. So I want that little picture too, but let's do that. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Aaron was my first and actually um, and my first home birth and my third baby. Mm-hmm. And w- what was going on with him was I was like carb loading and eating tons of fast food. And that was just where I was. I was like coping, you know, with this third pregnancy in three years. And so I was not very healthy and I did struggle with a lot of depression, which I tended to with all of my pregnancies. Like pregnancy was very difficult for me hormonally. It sent me into um, like a lot of depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I really experienced that with with Aaron, my third. And I had a two-year-old and a one-year-old. So Mm -hmm. fair enough, right? Yeah. But but I wanted to, you know, I was making this decision to have a home birth, which was my first kind of route into like more of natural um, thinking. and, And so I was doing a lot of reading and, and learning a lot. And I was making my own bread and doing all these like erroneous extra things for my family, right? Like if you're having three babies in three years, buy your bread. <laughs> it's like buy Dave's killer bread and don't try to like add on driving hours for raw milk. But that's what I was doing. <laughs> and <laughs> I look back at 25 year old Amelia and I love her so much. Oh, you're like, you Oh, you're so, so pretty. <laughs> Yeah, an amazing person. Yeah, and so I was really excited to have him at home. I was nervous to have a natural birth, like um, you know, in terms of just the pain and and like full labor. I I had made you know made it to about seven centimeters on the other two before I called in the epidural, so I had a confidence to a point, but I was really nervous about um what what transition and what birth and all of that would look like, and so. I had a lot of support. Um, I invited probably like three 
older women who had, you know, raised babies and probably three like friends who were kind of more in my season of life. And uh, I had this like little blow up pool. It wasn't even official birth pool. It had um, fish. It was a, it was a baby pool. Yeah. (laughs) And I put it in my dinky little bedroom and I was really excited about the water because I heard that helped. And, um, you know, I ended up just kind of like, you know, this happened about every single baby, about a week before the babies do, I start like crying in the bathtub every day because I'm just mm. so over it. Like I'm super impatient when it comes time for the baby to be born. And so that was happening with Aaron. I was just wandering around and we lived in Tennessee and my family was in Oregon. So my mom would fly in like no pressure, right? Having people come when you're having a baby from yeah. out of town or out of state can, can really... I don't know what to say about that. Like, it's so exciting and you feel so supported and so wonderful to have grandparents there to meet their grandbabies and to help with other little ones. But at the same time, like having people trying to time this trip and come in and then you're having your baby at home and they're probably staying with you. Um, it was, a, it felt a little chaotic, but uh, it ended up being a fast labor. It was like four hours, really perfect. Um he was born and came out and I was, I mean, I was so excited. I didn't know if I was having a boy or girl. Okay. And so they put him up on my chest immediately. And I was just, I don't know. I think that the relief of being on the other side of that experience is actually like the hallmark feeling I've had with most of my babies. And I so want to say that it was because I finally had this baby in my arms but that was secondary to the fact that I was like oh, I did it mm. <laughs> I'm done I came through oh my gosh you know like that's over because birth there like it's like a mental space you, space called my birth space right mm-hmm. and you just go in there mentally and you're going deep in into yourself and transcending into this place where you're um, on a journey, you know, and there's, you can have as many people in the room as you want, but you are so low on this journey. And so, um, I think that I feel like when the baby finally comes out, like I'm immediately popped back up to the surface of my life. And it is a really powerful, um, and incredible and emotional experience because it within like hours, like fog will clear from my brain from all of the months and months of struggling with like depression and anxiety. So it's a real high for me to have a baby and um, the baby is absolutely a part of that. But personally, it's just such a like exhilarating breakthrough. Yeah. So yeah, that was Aaron. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Paxton, my second home birth, I was really nervous because now I knew what to expect. And so mm-hmm. what I did is I obsessed over all the things I wanted to do differently this time, right? Just to upgrade the experience a little bit better. I would, you know, I was like, well, um, I was kind of on my hands and knees in the pool when Aaron was born. <clears throat> so, you know, he came out behind me. Uh, and so with the, the with Paxton, I was like, yeah, um, that was kind of intense. I'm going to try doing it a different way and thinking of all the different positions and all the ways that I could improve it. And his birth was actually very similar. Um, it was like four hours. It was, you know, it clipped along at like a really good p- pace. And um, I had a lot of people there. 
and he was born and I, again, um, oh, let me talk about this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if other people experienced that. I didn't know what I was having. Again, I didn't find out the gender, but I was really thinking I was having a girl. Okay. And I was really desperate to have a daughter, another daughter, because Liv was five and she had two brothers and she wanted a sister so bad. And I wasn't sure how many kids I was going to be having at this point. So anytime we could throw another girl in, you know, I was like all about it. <laughs> but for some reason, like I overread into the signs when I was pregnant. I was really thinking I was having a girl. And so when he came out a boy, I was so surprised. And of course, like all the immediacy of having a baby, everything's wonderful and it's just super thrilling and emotional and fabulous. But within like the first couple of days, I had a bit of a sadness mm. because um, I really wanted her to be able to have a sister, yeah. you know, and I was kind of like, does this mean I'm going to have more kids? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, how bad do we want a sister here right. <laughs> right. in our life? Because I've just had four kids in five years. And I, I'm thinking we should call it, you know, at some mm-hmm. point because this is like getting crazy. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I, I felt for her, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was really like, personally, you know, when it, whatever comes out, it's just totally meant to me. There's meant to be, you know, if you're really wanting a boy, but you have a girl or you're really wanting a girl, but you have a boy, like you can't even argue. I mean, you can throw your fists up in the air, but it is it is meant to be. And I was feeling kind of like, wow, three boys in a row. I must be very competent. Mm. <laughs> what an honor, right? To have three sons. Like this is really exciting. But um I got I kind of had that sadness for, for Olivia, which was like an interesting um emotion to go through feeling a little disappointed yeah. over the gender of your baby. And that happens, you yes. know, it happens. And I think that it's okay to acknowledge it because once you can acknowledge it, like you'll sail right over that, yeah. um, that dilemma, you know, I um, agree. But I think when we, when we feel secret about it or try to hold it in or feel ashamed about it, then um, it can kind of twist itself into other things that just aren't true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, in our perspective. So um, <clears throat> that was Paxton. It was, it was great. It was a good experience. Mm-hmm. Kind of really similar to Aaron's. Okay. So moving on, should we clip on through? How oh yes, yeah. And I'm curious too. <laughs> did you have five. did you have the same midwives or care through oh. each of them? I was just curious. Right. You know, I had the same midwife for the okay. first two, and then a um, a different midwife for the last two. Okay. And so uh, it was. I had really good experiences with both of them. Um, I, I really, yeah, I don't want to favor one over the other in the details, but, um, it was, it worked out both ways. Great. So, yeah. Um, my, my, my second midwife though, that I had with my fifth and sixth, she was older. Um, she had a really amazing assistant and they would come to me. Mm. And so like, it was such a great thrill to have, the midwife show up, you know, I already had four little kids and they were just yeah. so excited to hear the baby's heartbeat mm. and to kind of like be a part of the the process and the prenatal care. So I was really, really thankful for that uh, addition into the experience where they came to me and all of that. So yeah. uh, with my fifth baby, um, I had probably struggled with the most anxiety because I now had two home births under my belt, two natural births under my belt. And so I'm, I'm, I've made a decision. It's like, I won't, 
I don't have a desire to go back to the hospital, but I'm just kind of like, wow, natural birth. Whoa. Mm -hmm. It's intense. And, um, and so, you know, on the, on the first one, I didn't know what to expect. On the second one, I was like trying to fix it all beforehand. And on the third one, I'm just like, well, it is what it is. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it just kind of like ramps up a bit in the end. And, um, I think I would, I don't ever like to, go on and on about like whoa the ring of fire because people have different experiences and I don't ever want to insert fear Mm. but a lot of my labors clipped along at a pretty good speed and so I had to just be like right on it Mm -hmm. you know um and so with her I one of the things that I did differently was way less people okay (laughs) I did not invite everybody in their mother and I just I wanted more space and I was starting to feel a little bit more protective over my experience. And I I don't know, that worked for me, I suppose, on the first two. But looking back, I wish maybe I had kept it just a little more sacred. Um, but, the, you know, like the, the, com- the camaraderie and the community that the women in my first two experiences brought me was so nurturing to me because I was nervous and, um, and they were right there in my face, supporting me, loving me, you know, um, helping me through. But what would happen is I would tend to just kind of latch on to like the oldest, wisest one. Mm. (laughs) And then the rest of the people in the room were just spectators. So with my fifth baby, I didn't want any spectators this time. I just wanted the people there that, um, I felt most, were, were most capable of supporting me and everybody else could just send good vibes from home. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, um, one thing was I had a really dear friend. She's about 10 years older than me and she's an RN and she was talking to me one day about maybe considering going into midwifery. And I was like, have you ever been to a home birth before? And she's like, no. And I was like, oh, come to mine. <laughs> <laughs> so she was my only extra person at my, uh, fifth baby's birth and it um ended up being like really amazing for her and she uh started the journey to get her um midwifery license and so that was a huge beautiful awesome thing but um karis's birth oh this is great um super depressed again and um baby number four and five have the same birthdays but they're two years apart and their birthdays are February 26th. And so it is like a bit of the dark night of the soul for everyone in February, right? Like it's the dog days of winter. Mm. And so to be also nine months pregnant with four little kids and the flu is going around, it it just does something to you that makes you a little extra crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, you know, like not wanting the kids to leave because I didn't want them to get the flu and all this crazy stuff. So what happened was, is we got the flu and, um, I was starting to go into labor and I remember having a contraction and like lifting one of my little kids over the toilet as they're like vomiting and just crying and thinking like, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is happening. You know, like I'm going to get sick. And I was just so afraid. I was so afraid. And so my body kind of did the work to shut the labor down. And then I waited around for another week and her labor. Um, I, I got everybody, you know, like I called them like, okay, baby's coming. Um, it, you know, I was starting to go into labor. It was already a little past my due date and it stalled out 
at like two in the morning at six centimeters. And my midwife was like, well, I could break your water and it will hurt or we can just come back another time. And everybody is like jacked on coffee. It's 2 a.m. You're like, no pressure, right? Yeah. My mom had flown into town, but I couldn't do it. Like I already knew that the birth was the fullest experience I could possibly have. I did not want her to break my water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not after a week of the flu and all of that. So we sent everybody home. Then the next night I ended up really going into labor. And it was one of the things about this moment of time is like, when do you call? You know, like even though I had five kids, I was like, no, I was telling Dalen, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's time. I don't, I don't think it's time. And he was texting the midwife. She's like, oh yeah, I'm on my way. It's like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) You know, and the baby was born within two hours, but it's like, I was so scared of calling everybody back in for a false alarm Mm -hmm. that I, you know, like waited and waited. And so, um, when it kind of got towards the end, when the baby was just about to come, she still had not gotten there. And I was like freaking out a little bit. And so, you know, just call. <laughs> That's why they're there. Yeah. I wouldn't worry about ever like just reaching out and being like, Oh, Hey, and having like open line of communication. But for whatever reason, I'm like one of those people are like, I don't want to bother them. or I don't want to alarm anybody. Or, you know, when there's so many people who are participating in this experience, you just want it's like I, I took on the responsibility of making sure that the timing was right for everybody else mm. instead of just like kind of freely and openly communicating and kind of letting us all collaborate on, oh, is it time? Is it time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, it's not your responsibility to make sure that the timing works for everyone. Just yeah. share where you're at, be honest, and let, let them decide if they want to come or wait or give it an hour or whatever if it's three or four in the morning and, and most babies come in the middle of the night, not most, but a lot of times that's what happens. And so it can be nerve wracking trying to make that big decision of like, is it time to call the midwife? Mm-hmm. But when in doubt, do it. Got it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, I knew I was having a girl with Karis. Okay. <laughs> we were so excited. Yeah. I did find out that time. It was like, uh, I, you know, I knew I was expecting another winter baby. And so I opted to find the, find out the gender for like the morale boost. We were so thrilled to have another little sister (laughs) and she came and it was a really, it was a really great experience. I'm not right now recalling really crystal clear, like, what those postpartum days were like, but I think we were just over the moon to have a sister. I do know that she was my easiest baby. Mm. And I finally hit that point where everybody's like, what's one more, Uh (laughs) you know, and I had Karis and I was, it felt like that. It felt like no extra work. Mm. She was just so easy. And so that was a, a really special time for us to have our first sister. Um, and then last but not least, Haley Kay. And we lived in a house with no garage that was 1,100 square feet for nine years. And so um, at one point when I was pregnant with Karis, my fifth baby, we added a bathroom. Mm. It might have actually been after she was already born. But anyways, there's seven of us with like <laughs> this very tiny space. So when I was about seven 
months pregnant with Haley, we um, bought a house, a big house, and moved out into the country and a pool, and I just floated around all happy. And so this baby, <laughs> I had huge hippie dreams because I knew that she was my last. Like when we were just deciding if we would, we planned her, like we tried for her because we were like, should we do it one more time? Just go for it. Just have the six that we have kind of said that we wanted to have. And, you know, for me, it was like, do you want to go struggle with depression for another year? Mm. And I hated to count that cost because I always went into every single pregnancy with like really high hopes, Mm -hmm. you know, that maybe I have sort of cracked the code on this struggle that I was having every time because it was really draining for me and for the family. And I, you know, I hated it, but I didn't, I, it felt very like, like I knew that I was in a dark space and I knew that it wasn't like real, so to speak, you know, that it was like emotional and hormonal driven, but as analytical and as even keel as I am, I could not find the door Mm. during that time. I just couldn't. And so I have a lot of compassion for people who struggle um, with depression and anxiety because I've, I have been trapped before. And, um, so thankfully, that's not something I ever really dealt with on the other side in terms of postpartum depression or anything. I was still just riding the high of like, well, at least I'm not pregnant anymore because <laughs> nothing can be worse than that. <laughs> so um, I've lost my place with Haley. Um, I really, knowing it was my last I was, I agreed and I was like, yes, let's, let's just go for it. You know, one more time. I can do anything for nine months. I can do it. I can do it. And, um, I really wanted to have her alone outside, you know, mm. like this time I'm not inviting anybody and I want to, I don't want to have her in the water. My other three babies were born in the water mm-hmm. and I sort of felt like I loved the water and it was kind of a safe place for me. And if you're ever in a birth pool, it's like very snuggly and very safe and you're very enclosed and it's a good way to have personal space Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like go in. But, but this time I just thought um, the drawback that I found with three water tub births at home was that it did limit my ability to move around and really feel out what, positions work best for my body. And that changes as you're in labor, right? Like you Mm. might find one thing that works for like a good hour and it's time to switch to something else. And in the tub, I just stayed in the tub and in the water. And I like didn't want to get out and around because what could be better than nice warm water Mm. is what I figured. So this time I was like, I don't even want that to be an option. I'm just going to go outside (laughs) to have the baby in my backwoods by myself. That was my big grand dream. And so what happened was, again, I was feeling kind of depressed. And I was like begging my midwife to like, please, like, what herbs do you have? Can you strip my membranes? You know, here again, my parents Mm. are coming into town and I really want to have the baby before they get here. Um, So like, what can we do? What can we do? And she was so great. She was just really supportive of me. She knew my story. She knew it was my last. She knew that I was just like, let's do this. I mean business. And so she did, they did end up coming and um, stripping my membranes. Is that what everybody calls it? I believe so. (laughs) People say like stretching your cervix or I don't want to say something. People are like, what is she talking about? No, I, but you know, it's, 
that's the term that's been most used here. So I, I feel like okay, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit uncomfortable and mm-hmm. and it's always really worked well for me. And so thankfully they they kind of just came one day. Um it was actually nine eleven and they came and stopped by in the morning and stripped my membranes and gave me some cohosh to alternate on and um I'm just so thankful. I don't even know if that would be appreciated by both other midwives, you know, like just pushing somebody along like that. But mm-hmm. I was so grateful because I just wanted to be done. And that was actually the best labor experience that I had. It was so much slower and more gentle. And um, I spent hours and hours outside by myself. We had really gorgeous property and I just spent a lot of time walking around and just really kind of like setting my intention for my future because this was my last baby Mm. and this was going to like put a little bow on our tribe. There's going to be eight of us. And so I was really, really just ah, heart wide open to what the future had and so ready to like, you know, move past this final birth. And so, um, we had a swimming pool and I got in the pool, but it was like September and it was just too cold. And my labor completely stopped. So (laughs) I got out of the pool and, um, I ended up kind of getting a little stuck at about nine and a half centimeters for a couple hours. And so I came inside and, um, the, my midwife's assistant is fabulous with this like wonderful back massage that she does. Mm. And so we did, she did that for like a couple hours trying to help, you know, get the baby to move down and all of that. So they ended up getting out a birthing stool. I was in my bedroom. It was dark now, so I couldn't have the baby outside. But since the, you know, as the experience like elevates or escalates, you know, you can let go of your ideals and mm-hmm. it's still super great. You yeah. know, it doesn't matter that like, I don't know why that was like a personal ambition. I think I just felt like that would be a great place for me would be out. Like, why not? You yeah. know, I, this is my fourth one, but we ended up on a birth stool with a little interior lip <laughs> trying to work the baby down. And um great story is that my friend who was an RN, um, she caught my last baby and that was her first catch. Oh, so, you know, wow. as she's, yeah, as she's working towards her midwifery certification, you know, you have to have so many hours and so many of this and that. And she had been working on it for a couple of years since she, uh, visited my last home birth. So now this is two and a half years later and this is her first catch that she's ever done. So that was so special. Yeah. And again, she was the only extra person <laughs> that I invited into the birth. And so, um, the baby came and the first thing I said was, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) And I was so happy. Yeah, It was a girl. I didn't know what I was having. Um, and I actually, Oh, I was really intense with everybody about this because one of uh, the baby that I, my fourth that I thought was going to be a, um, girl when when the when he came out somebody said oh watch his head and so I knew it was a boy okay and so I threatened everybody in the like most loving way don't say anything no adjectives yes yeah like don't say anything I was like I might want to take a shower like I am waiting to you know like to know what this baby is and Mm -hmm. I wanted a girl so bad so bad I wanted a girl but I was just like I'm 
I want this moment and, and I'm not in a rush, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's kind of like the baby comes out and they're like, what is it? What is it? What is it? And you're still like all foggy headed and yeah. starry eyed because does everybody know what you just went through? Mm-hmm. No, because you did it by yourself. So I was really firm with everybody. Like I might want to eat first. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I'll let you guys know. But anyways, I did kind of like get changed and deliver the placenta and get up in the bed and then peaked. And it was really sweet. I cried. I was so happy. Mm. So, so, so happy. But, um, yeah. And so we delivered the placenta and, um, it was like 1204 and nobody looked at the clock when she was born. And so we decided that I opted that her birthday would please be on September 12th instead mm. of September 11th. <laughs> Just, you know, if I can choose, I, I gotcha. would rather have it on, yeah, nine twelve, which is also my mom's birthday. Uh, and I okay. just felt like that was, that was a more um, fitting than, you know, our, the national tragedy that we all, you know, remember on nine eleven. So, yeah, it's interesting. Was, you know, nine eleven is Maya's birthday. Oh, is it really? Yeah. And so I had... Wow. I had thoughts, feelings, you know, around that as well as, as we were moving into that morning because I labored through the night. And so as it became September 11th and it became very clear that she was going to be born that day, um, I had some help with, you know, others, but not during the experience, more so after, just to help recontextualize it in a way of you know, to bring love and light and, and energy yeah. to the space. And it's interesting with your mom's birthday being the 12th, Maya is sandwiched in between my stepdad's birthday the day before. So his is the 10th and he passed away six years ago. And then my grandmother, who's been gone for a number of years now, is the 12th. So I felt like oh. she was sandwiched really well, you know, in between two people looking over her. So... um yeah, yeah, I get it oh, though. You can't go wrong bringing light on nine eleven. Yeah, truthfully. So yeah, what a great, what a great story that is. Yeah. So so. But yes, continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, um, that's kind of a wrap, and, mm. and here comes Haley Kay. Yeah, there she um, is. Yeah, it was so fabulous. It was. Yeah, it was really great. Um, I didn't bounce back that time like I had in the past and I don't know exactly why I think that um, sometimes you can have different kinds of combinations like um, if you have a difficult toddler and a and a difficult baby combo that is a recipe for some really difficult feelings um, my fifth like I said she was my best baby and so I just sort of sailed through that postpartum recovery and mm-hmm. like into the first year because um, she was just it I was sleeping well and all of that, but my sit, my, she ended up, bless her, being a pretty strong-willed toddler um, with grand big feelings about everything. And then Haley Kay was sort of one of those, not colicky, but like fitzy discontent babies. Like she kind of, she wanted to be held a lot and then put down and just sort of finicky where you're kind of always walking around eggshells. And so it, it felt like, although you know, there was so much excitement and joy for me to be done mm. and to have, have done it. I had six kids. Like yeah. I created, we created this family and this sort of dream that we always wanted. And, and it was so difficult, mm. <laughs> you know, personally to like walk through that journey and, 
and to make those sacrifices. But it was so exciting to think that like now we get to move on to this phase of life where we're raising kids, Mm. except that, um, wow, I just, I was, it was hard. Like it was really, really hard having, having all six of them and, um, just the little baby toddler combo for the first couple of years. And, Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I made it through so many other things, uh, can, can sometimes like build onto those difficult postpartum times because, uh, it's like sometimes X, Y, Z comes up in your marriage, right? Oh yeah. Life. Insinuating life services. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Uh, you're just in this bubble with just these six kids and that's your only responsibility and that's the only thing. And I mean, even that would, is incredible. But then on top of that, you're like this integrated citizen of the world with other things going on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it can be a lot. It can be a lot. And that was kind of my experience after the, the, that last baby, you Mm -hmm. know, was I had really, really high hopes and um, life felt really heavy for a really long time, Mm -hmm. but it was sort of ended up just being things that we needed to work through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I think feeling like we came out on the other side of having the babies sort of is like, well, now we're in a different mode of like, well, how do we raise them? What do we want? All these extra things came up, which which is truly like four or five other podcasts. So yes. we won't go too far. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. 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 Amelia, you're amazing. Um, oh. As we as we kind of wrap this up, put a bow on this particular experience. One big thing I got from you, which I love and is great advice, is you know call, make the call, call the midwife, call the doula, call whoever, make the calls. So I am totally yeah. with that. I was wondering if for mamas who are preparing right now for home birth, whether it is their first or fourth, their third or seventh baby, you know, we what you would just want to send their way or, or give them as far as an affirmation and encouragement, a resource. Yeah, I, I actually didn't have this experience fully for myself, but I supported a friend through birth um, in the spring and she did this really, really well. So I was like, Oh, wow. You know, there's a lot of external preparation that has to, that goes into having a home birth and it's really kind of fun, busy work, you know, like when you're big and pregnant, it's fun to pick out all the cute outfits and to do the birth tub and make the plan and talk to everybody and, and all of that. But like prepare your internal space, you know, prepare inside of you where you're going to go because as much support and love as everyone will be pouring out on you, Birth is a solo journey and it's an incredible opportunity to meet with yourself and your divine feminine self. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't always actually feel so woo woo and remarkable like that. It's like kind of intense (laughs) in some respects, but like, you know, I think of all of the planting that I did in my soul while I was walking for those hours when I was laboring with Haley Kay, um, that is not for nothing. And so I would really, I think just throw out there and encourage people to cultivate your inner space. My friend, she had um, like beautiful mantras and she did these great um, like 
pre-birth meditations and she had all of her essential oils out and all of that. But I saw her like lean really hard into those avenues that she had created or created for herself and done a lot of legwork to um, have a place to go where she could like remind herself and, and recenter herself and come back to like her her journey in this birth space that she's in by herself. And so that would be my encouragement. Mm, I love that. Thank you. It's like, it, yeah. it starts before the thing, you know, it's, it starts before it starts. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it mm. does. So Ugh. yeah, go, go women, go mama. Yeah. Got it. Got <laughs> Yay. And there's, <laughs> Right, nothing you can't do for five whole minutes, uh, <laughs> or whatever, whatever the uh, culmination is for you. Yeah. You are amazing, and you will make it through to tell the story. Yeah, Amelia, so. thank you so much. Thank you to you, to Dalen, to all the kiddos, to Live, Eden, Aaron, Paxton, Karis, and Haley Kay. You all are awesome. I'm so grateful to you uh, for sharing part of your your journey, your space, your energy. It's really beautiful. And I'm going to include ways in the show notes that people can connect with you and learn more about you. Yeah, thank you. What a thrill. I appreciate you giving me opportunity just to share this lovely part of my life. Mm. Awesome, Sarah. Thank you for what you do. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.